Welcome back, Brooklyn Nets fans. I told you guys we would do this video just kind of recapping and going over this 2021-2022 season. The NFL draft happened this past week, and I was kind of just over the Nets, and I wanted some time to just decompress from the entire thing. So the season ended, I think, 11 days ago now, and I'm still kind of relieved it's over based on how crappy this entire season was. But we're going to talk about the entire season, but we'll start the video by talking about the Ben Simmons news. It came out that he's having back surgery. He just had it yesterday. It was successful. That's great news, but that, of course, came out of nowhere. So we'll talk about that, then we'll talk about this season as a whole. Everything that went wrong, just it was kind of like a four-part series if you think about it. There were four different chapters, if you will, for this Brooklyn Nets season. I'll break it down for you guys. We'll talk about it. So this might be a long episode, so stay tuned. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy the video. Leave a like always helps out, and let's get into it. So it was announced a couple days ago on May 4th that Ben Simmons was going to get back surgery. It's not the most serious-sounding back surgery, but... Adrian Wojnarowski said Brooklyn Nets' Ben Simmons is expected to need three to four months to make a full recovery on back surgery, sources tell ESPN. The expectation is that he'll be ready to return well ahead of training camp. That's good news. Then the Brooklyn Nets account basically posted this saying, After consultation with multiple back specialists, it has been determined that the best course of action for Ben's long-term health is for him to undergo surgery. The microdisectomy procedure, I don't know what the hell that is, scheduled for Thursday is designed to alleviate pain caused by the herniated disc in Ben's back. Further updates will be provided following the procedure. And it seems like, you know, the procedure happened yesterday. It seems like everything went well, so I'm happy about that, of course. And hopefully this is the end of the Ben Simmons back drama and everything that's happened around that. I mean, he came to the Nets during the James Harden trade, which I believe was sometime in February, mid-February, and Ben Simmons had his first interview with the Nets, and he talked about playing in a few weeks against the Sixers, and there was no news about this back injury. Then the back injury pops up. He was supposed to come back against the Blazers with about a few weeks left in the season. That never happened. He was supposed to come back with two games left in the regular season. That never happened. He was supposed to come back for the Celtics series. That never happened. Game four specifically, that never Never happened as we know and the season was already over so yeah it was a very frustrating thing I don't know how Ben Simmons goes from announced to being able to play in game four to having back surgery I just none of it makes sense whatsoever and I feel like somebody should be held responsible for this I don't know but it's been frustrating but I just hope this is it this is the end to it and hopefully whatever's going on here with Ben Simmons is back can be worked around going forward of course back injuries are tough but the guy's still 25 years old has some youth on his his side and look we need the best out of Ben Simmons going forward this Nets team with just Kyrie and Katie as we saw is not enough we need a guy like Ben Simmons he would be a perfect fit for this team and hopefully he's right going into next year of course it's annoying to hear this you don't want to hear about one of your star players having back surgery but he's under contract for a few more years and that's need him healthy so hopefully this is what does it but it was pretty surprising news but at the end of the day I just hope it all works out anyway with that being covered, let's get into this 2021-2022 Brooklyn Nets season. So the Nets enter this season as NBA Finals favorites. That, of course, was very exciting for any Nets fan out there. The previous season ended in a Game 7 loss to the Bucks, and we as Nets fans knew it pretty much ended due to injuries to James Harden and Kyrie Irving. 
We did not have Spencer Dinwiddie last year, and yeah, it was just very unfortunate. But we figured this was going to be the year for the Nets to compete, and hopefully things would go better in terms of their injury luck and their durability, health status. They lost Jeff Green, they traded Landry Shamit, they lost Spencer Dinwiddie, but they did add guys like Patty Mills, Paul Millsap, who at the time was a pretty exciting signing, and they added Javon Carter via that trade with Landry Shamit. So... On October 13th, the Nets announced that Kyrie Irving cannot play part-time. There, of course, was the vaccine mandate in New York, and the Nets had a decision to make of whether to let Kyrie Irving only play road games in which he's eligible or just not let him play at all. And the Nets decided to start the season at least going the route of not letting him play at all. This announcement happened about a week before the regular season started. And let's be honest, the Nets never felt dominant this season. There were points in the season prior, 2020-2021, where the Nets really felt like a dominant team. They were so good in the times where it was just James Harden and Kyrie Irving together. They went like 16-2 and together at one point. And during this season, I can remember a couple of times where the Nets felt dominant, but they never felt dominant for a consistent stretch throughout this season. I think the two times the Nets felt dominant this year was the win in January at Chicago a few games before Kevin Durant got hurt. That was one of the two games that the big three played together. Of course, Kyrie was there. It was on the road. And there was that game at Philadelphia where the Nets played against James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers. The Nets won that game very easily and they played at a very high level. But outside of those two games, it was really hard to find games where the Nets felt like a dominant basketball team. We know they struggled, especially early on in the year, against elite teams. They were like 0-8 against teams that were considered like top 10 in the NBA at one point. So the Nets were doing a good job of beating the teams they were supposed to beat, but in terms terms of playing teams that are considered championship contenders, the Milwaukee Bucks, Golden State Warriors, Phoenix Suns, those type of teams, the Nets could not beat them. And they had some ugly losses in those games as well. So as I mentioned, we have four chapters here. Chapter one is the KD slash Harden era with no Kyrie Irving. So this, of course, comes on the heels of the Nets announcing Kyrie will not be a part of the team. And this era lasted 35 games until Kyrie debuted versus the Pacers on January 5th, 2022. The Nets were 23 and 12 at this point. They did start 23 and 9 until losing three straight, but they were off to a really good start. They were in first place numerous times throughout this first quarter or even half of the season, and they were playing pretty good basketball. I mean, of course, they were not beating the elite teams, but they were definitely beating the teams they were supposed to beat. They looked fine. Joe Harris did sustain the ankle injury at Oklahoma City in mid-November. He was supposed to be out for four to eight weeks, I believe, so it wasn't looked at as like the biggest deal in the world. We were supposed to have Joe Harris back for the second half of the season. That, of course, never happened. The Nets had just finished their road trip around Christmas time. Of course, the Nets had that Christmas game at the Lakers. Nick Claxton, the alley-oop on LeBron. Then they beat the Clippers a night later. And that was when Kevin Durant was coming back from the um, health and safety protocols. And that's at that point, as I mentioned, we're 23-9. and Things were looking great. They were getting Kevin Durant back to join this 23-9 and Nets team. 
And then the Nets lose three straight games, 23-12. and 12, And then Kyrie Irving comes back against the Pacers. But at this point, things were looking great. James Harden during that West Coast trip was starting to look like the old James Harden. There were a lot of questions about Harden the first half of the season. And a lot of it was due to the NBA rule changes. The refs were not calling certain things they had in the past that was affecting guys like James Harden. Trey Young, Damian Lillard, of course, Trey Young came back from it. Lillard got hurt, and then James Harden kind of, I think at some points in the season, looked okay, but James Harden, for the most part, never looked like the elite-level James Harden that we had been used to seeing for the past 8, 9, 10 years. And it was concerning. I think, you know, with Harden, we saw the lack of explosiveness really show up, and I was sitting on this same podcast during the first few games of the year saying... I don't think we'll ever get that same James Harden back, but he might be 85-90% of the guy that we saw in Houston, and I was fine with that, but honestly, his efficiency was down, he was averaging nearly a triple-double, which was nice, but with the lower shooting efficiency, lower shooting percentages, it just wasn't that same type of guy. James Harden went from being a no-doubt top 10 player to about a top 20 player, and that is enough of a drop-off to have the Nets suffer from it, especially with Kyrie Irving not being there full-time or being there at all at this part in the season. But it was exciting. James Harden looked a lot better during this West Coast trip around Christmas. Kevin Durant was coming back, and Kyrie Irving was about to join this team for Rota games. And eventually, when the mandate was hopefully going to be lifted at the time, it was going to be Kyrie Irving full-time. So the Nets were getting their big three back, and things were looking fine around the new year. Then Chapter 2 is Kyrie Irving rejoins the team part-time and this chapter does not last very long it's by far the shortest chapter the big three in this season only played two games together as we know in total the big three of Harden Durant and Kyrie only played in 16 games together they went 13 and 3 they were dominant put up some of the best offensive numbers of all time and unfortunately we only got 16 games of it so in those two games together the big three went 2 and 0 they had that win in the first game at the pace they were trailing most of that game, had the big fourth quarter comeback, and then the win at Chicago where they obliterated the Chicago Bulls, who I think were the first seeded at that point in the season. So that was a great win for the Nets. It was probably my favorite win of the season because we finally saw the big three back together playing at this very high level. I mean, maybe the Sixers win later in the year was my favorite win. I don't know, but it was such a great feeling because the Nets finally beat a team at the time that we thought was elite in the Chicago Bulls. Turns out they were not that great, but at the time they were a good team. So during this short chapter, the Nets went 4-3. and three. There were some home games where Kyrie Irving cannot play, of course. Now, Kevin Durant sustains his MCL injury on January 15th versus the Pelicans. He's out four to six weeks or four to eight weeks, whatever it was. The Nets at that point in the season had a 27-15 and 15 record. They were second in the East at that time. So things were fine. The Nets were 27-15. and 15. He still had James Harden leading the way. You had part-time Kyrie at this time. And you're like, all right, you know, Kevin Durant, he's going to be out for a bit here. But as long as the Nets can stay at about 500 they should be still a top four, top five seed in, in the uh, Eastern Conference at worst. But what happened next, of course, was when the Nets season really turned for the worst. Chapter three, post-Kevin Durant injury. It starts out okay. The Nets go 2-1, and one, back-to-back wins at Washington and at San Antonio. Of course, Kyrie could play in those games with Harden. 
They lost the first game without Kevin Durant, but still, going 2-1 was okay. They were in first place in the East, 29-16. So three games after KD, they're still in first place. Things are okay in Brooklyn. Then the unthinkable happens. The Nets lose 11 11 straight games, going from 29 and 16 on the year to 29 and 27. That's insane. I've never seen something like that. James Harden's body language visibly looks worse and worse as every game goes on. The Nets have some ugly home losses without Kyrie Irving being able to play. They had a game where they were down 28 to 4 versus the Boston Celtics. I believe James Harden was out for that game. Javon Carter led the Nets in scoring that night. That's how bad it was. They had some really rough home losses during this stretch. James Harden plays his last game as a Brooklyn Nets on February 2nd at the Sacramento Kings, having that horrendous four-point game, a bunch of turnovers, and their losing streak extends to six games. At that point, going into that Sacramento game, the Nets were on a five-game losing streak against good teams, though. And then they play Sacramento, who, let's be honest, they suck. The Nets were supposed to win that game. James Harden just visibly is tanking out there. And the Nets have their losing streak extended to six games. And at that point, you're like, this losing streak may go on for a long time. And it did. Five more games, which results in an 11-game losing streak overall. Now, on February 10th, James Harden is traded to the Philadelphia 76ers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Now, I told you guys this in the past. I'm on record of saying... I would have been astonished if James Harden was traded during the season. And you know what? It happened. It seemed like it was going to happen as the year went on. I thought when the rumors first came out about Harden not liking the Brooklyn area and some other certain things, I didn't really buy into it. I did believe Harden's future as a net was in question, but I figured that would come up in the offseason. I had no idea that Harden was going to be traded during the season. Now, with Harden just quitting on the Nets and sitting out a bunch of games like a week before he got traded, it had to happen. The locker room got very awkward, and it just seemed like James Harden kind of disassociated himself from a lot of his teammates, except for Nick Claxton. Those guys got along for some reason. But yeah, it was a weird, awkward relationship going on there. James Harden had to go. Some people criticized the Nets for trading James Harden for Ben Simmons, but they kind of had to do it. Their backs were against the wall. So that happens. The Nets are in the midst of this long, long losing streak, but they finally get James Harden out of the locker room. Some better vibes start happening. Kevin Durant was going to rejoin the team at some point. They got some reinforcements with Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and at that point, we were hoping that Ben Simmons was going to come back in a couple of weeks and suit up for the Brooklyn Nets. And chapter four, the post-James Harden trade. So Ben Simmons, once again, is supposed to be back in a few weeks. That's a positive. The team immediately has better vibes. Blake Griffin, Patty Mills kind of took some small shots at James Harden once he was traded. I believe Patty Mills said the locker room is a lot more likable. I think Blake Griffin said the Nets were a better team today than they were yesterday right after the trade happened. So that, of course, is taking a bit of a shot at Harden. The Nets have that awesome win at Milwaukee. Kyrie scores 38. Andre Drummond, the newly acquired net, was awesome. Goran Dragic made his Nets debut. He helped uh, them win that game. So they were in the midst of a losing streak once again when that game happened. So that was good. Kevin Durant returns versus the Heat on March 3rd. Joe Harris, around that same exact, it was during the same day, was announced that he was out for the rest of the year. The Nets kept 
hinting that Joe Harris was going to come back maybe at some point. Joe Harris came out and said he was confident he was going to come back during this season. Then, for some reason, it was announced that he was going to get surgery and be done for the year. He got a second surgery, sorry, and was done for the year. So that was very unfortunate, but it did happen the same day that Kevin Durant was back. So that kind of uh, made it a bit easier to deal with. The Nets hit a season low, 32-33. and 33. This was at the time where KD came back versus the Heat. They lost that game. They lost that game at the Boston Celtics, the last Nets-Celtics regular season game. It was that close 125-120 loss. So, you know, the Nets looked pretty good in that game for the most part, but came up short. But then after that, the Nets went on this run. So they were 32-33 and at that point. They close out the season going 12-5. They finish 44-38 and overall. Kyrie Irving is announced that he can play in all home games. The mandate was lifted for the private sector mandate, whatever it was called. That gets lifted. Kyrie is back at Barclays Center which was awesome at the time, and the Nets were able to get themselves into the seventh seed. They play the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playing game. They win that game. The Nets are the seventh seed, going on to play the two-seed Boston Celtics. There's still rumors that Ben Simmons could return for that series. It seemed pretty likely at that point, but of course that never happened, but with the Nets closing out the season 12-5 and and things starting to like finally feel normal, Kyrie was back full-time, maybe you get Ben Simmons back, things were looking okay at that point. Obviously, being a 7 seed is not what you want, especially for a team that was supposed to win the finals coming into the year, but for how bad it was at one point, being 32-33, and the Nets at one point, a week before the regular season ended, found themselves in the 10 seed after that loss to the Hawks at Atlanta. So to get the 7 seed was a great feeling. The Nets close out the season very hot, and we were thinking, okay, this Boston Celtics series is going to be a tough battle, but if the Nets do play their cards right, they could win that series and hopefully make some noise in the playoffs. But as we know, that was not the case. As we now know, the Boston Celtics swept the Brooklyn Nets four games to nothing. Um, It was one of the closest sweeps of all time. I do believe the Nets lost by no more than seven points in any of those games, so... It was a competitive series that didn't feel competitive, if that makes any sense at all, but Boston always felt like the better team. They had you know more cohesiveness, a much better coach. They played with more energy, played better defense, but the Nets on their talent alone, despite Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving not playing that well outside of one game each for those guys, um, they still kept the series close, which kind of leaves me optimistic going forward, but still, a sweep is a sweep. If the Jason Tatum layup in Game 1 comes comes off his fingers a second later and the Nets start up 1-0. Does that change the entire series? Maybe, because I do feel that the Nets felt very defeated. Kyrie Irving especially just had a completely different body language after that game. Um, I feel like things could have been different if the Nets closed out that 17-point lead in Game 2 and at least not of the series at 1-1. Could that have changed it? Yes, but we'll never know. It is shoulda, woulda, coulda at this point. So it is what it is. The Nets go back to Brooklyn for Game 3. I was in attendance, and that felt terrible. The Celtics consistently had a 4-12 point lead that entire game. And then Game 4, they play very well in Game 4, but of course they break our hearts in the final minute. And 
the season was over just like that. So honestly, a podcast of about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, whatever this is going to end up being, um, it doesn't do it justice. You can literally write a book on how this Brooklyn Nets season went from everything, everything from the Kyrie Irving mandates, from James Harden um, not looking like himself, still recovering from his hamstring issue, plus wanting to leave Brooklyn, um, the Kevin Durant injury, how bad the Nets were during that time, the Ben Simmons saga, the Joe Harris injury and how that was dragged on and you know the Nets performance team and the injury um, you know the doctors and all those people it was a rough year for them as well Steve Nash had a pretty rough year for the most part I thought Nash did about as well as he could at some points but the playoff series really pissed me off because we did not see many adjustments made um Sean Marks the GM had a rough year of course you know looking at the Nets offseason signings from this past offseason nothing really worked out you know I mean letting Jeff Green go was not the right move they brought in um you know they brought in Javon Carter DeAndre Bembry it just didn't really work out that well for them they brought in LaMarcus Aldridge again he had his moments this year especially in the first half of the year but he just was too old and too slow and probably too injured at one point um did not play at all in the Celtics series so you know Blake Griffin had a very um inconsistent role throughout the season Paul Millsap was washed. I talked about that when the Nets signed him. I said, look, I'm excited for it, but there is, a, there is a, a possibility that Paul Millsap is just washed and did not fit the team well, and that's exactly what happened. So that was unfortunate, but looking at this Nets team, once again, they started the year 23-9 and through the thir- first 32 games of the year, which is awesome. That was first place in the East. Then they go on this stretch where they were 3-20, and which, you know, was probably like the worst stretch in the NBA by far at that time. So going from 23-9 and to 3-20, and this was the same basketball team in the same season. Like, I've never seen something like this. Then they close out the year going 12-5 and and get themselves in the seventh seed. They were kind of on life support the entire season, so... Yeah, it, it was very frustrating. As I, as I said before, this was the most frustrating Nets season I've ever watched. I've watched the 12-70 and 70 season back in 2009-2010, and at that point, it became comical, so it wasn't as frustrating. But this, in terms of the expectations, was the most frustrating one because the Nets came into this year as finals favorites after how last year's second round ended with a Game 7 overtime loss to the Bucks, and the Nets being without two of their best players, or two of their three best players, basically, that was tough to endure, and I was hoping this would be the year that when I make my season reflection video, we could have been talking about much more positive things about the Nets actually winning the finals or even making it there, but they couldn't even get past round one. So now we enter this pivotal offseason for the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not going to talk about specific free agent targets and trade targets. We can do that a different day, but the Nets need to add some size and add more wings and basically some guys have to go I don't think you can make some of these guys coexist you know as much as I like Patty Mills and Seth Curry and Kyrie it's tough to have all three of those guys on the same team I feel like somebody has to go there obviously it's probably not going to be Kyrie I, I fully expect Kyrie to be back on this team on a big contract so We'll see what happens there, but yeah, overall, as I said, you can write a book. It was a very disappointing season, and 
a frustrating one to be a Brooklyn Nets fan. But hopefully going forward, things are better. Hopefully next year we get a healthy Ben Simmons. We get a Kyrie Irving that plays more than 60 games in a year. And Kevin Durant avoids serious injury. And that Steve Nash does not have to play him like 42 minutes a night. And hopefully Steve Nash is not back next year. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not really expecting him to get fired. But I do think the Nets can do better at this point head coaching-wise. I don't really see how Steve Nash gives them much of an advantage. I know Nash handles the personalities very well. He's very good at that. But in terms of um, you know being a strategic head coach and drawing up plays, you don't see too much of it. So that's the downside of Steve Nash right there. But we'll find out what happens. I'm not sure when my next Nets video will be. I might talk about some off-season targets and things like that. But we'll see what happens there. Anyway, leave in the comments if you're a Nets fan. How did you feel about this season? Um, for me, it's a season I want to forget about, and hopefully next year at this point, we are in the second round and feeling much better, but as of right now, getting a swept from the first round is not something we expected coming into this year, that's for damn sure. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed, and I will talk to you guys next time.